Black Hills Information Security, the leaders in penetration testing and active defense. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to request a quote today. ThreatConnect is the industry's most widely adopted threat intelligence platform. Built to unite the people, processes, and technologies across your security team, your organization, and your entire ecosystem of partners. ThreatConnect's threat intelligence platform enables your team to collaborate, analyze, and make sense of threat data all in one place. Empower your team towards fast and efficient analysis that leads to decisive action. Transform your entire threat detection and response program today. Claim your free account at threatconnect.com forward slash security weekly. Faraday is an open source collaborative pen test and vulnerability management platform. With real-time dashboards and more than 50 tools, Faraday allows seamless integration with your security workflow, allowing CISOs and pen testers to see in real time the impact and risks uncovered from assessments. Scan your network every day using different tools and get one-click reports. Creating a collaborative experience, sharing knowledge, and making pen testing fun again. This is Faraday. Visit FaradaySec.com for more information. Welcome back, everyone, to Security Weekly. This is a very special technical segment we have that I put together at the last minute because I bought a new... Do we have the other... Yeah, we got the other camera. I bought a new Segway because I'm a, I'm a nerd, and apparently it's something you'd have to own if you're a nerd, or maybe it's not. Kind of maybe it's just me. I'm just... A big nerd who has a Segway now. Um, they were on sale, so I bought one. And one of the reasons that interests me is because it's got Bluetooth, and you can like control it with an app. So, and I thought it was interesting with the Bluetooth, but um, you can actually like drive it with the with the app. It doesn't go very fast. It's kind of stuck on the on the carpet. But yeah, you can, or you can smash it into a light too. That works too. Yeah, so you can drive it with the into the walls and stuff. It's kind of hard to control. In any case, um, I full, thought, full why kinda, not? Kind of begs the question, man. Do they have like couples Segway meetups where everybody sits there with that Bluetooth app and they make their Segways dance? Yeah, with each well, because it can it can detect other Segway riders as one of the other features on it as well, and you can lock it um, with your. It's like moving on its own. Um, you can lock it with your phone. So if I lock it with my phone, theoretically no one else can get on it unless they have this. So I said this is a perfect thing to research the security of it. And oh, yeah. I said, what better tool than Rick Farina? I mean the Pwn Pad 4 <laughs> <laughs> and the new Bluetooth adapter that it comes with, um, which also does Bluetooth low energy because, as I discovered, it's actually a Bluetooth low energy connection between my phone and the new Segway Mini Pro uh, is the one that I bought, along with a lot of other people on Amazon Prime Day when they were on sale for 50% off. So I started analyzing the security. I started playing with this new tool called Blue Hydra, and there wasn't a lot of documentation, so I picked up the phone and I called Rick, and Rick's like, yeah, dude, I, I wrote it. I'm like, can you come on the show and talk about it? Because that would be awesome. And it actually, it, it works really well. And I think that while many are focused on securing the network, it could be devices within your location, like a Segway or a TV or whatever that cause security issues. So um, this is going to be an open source tool. Uh, it has a unique capability to scan for Bluetooth or low energy. And it also supports an Ubertooth One. Is that right, Rick? That's correct. Yeah, optionally. Um, so I started analyzing the, the Bluetooth. I'm happy with the results so far. Really, no, is this just a scanner, Rick? So it's, it's 
discovery tool is really what it's meant for. It's okay. it's meant to show you what's in the airspace and give you a, as best a, an analysis of it as possible without really getting too invasive. So now um, it supports a, a, it gives me a list of protocols that it supports. What are the protocols that Blue Hydra supports from a discovery standpoint? Right. So it can find devices that are classic and in discoverable mode. With the Uber Tooth, it can find classic devices that are not in discoverable mode but are talking. And then anything that sends out a low energy advertisement gets picked up as well. And we're working on finding things that don't advertise but are also low energy as, as one of the next steps. So pretty much everything. Well, Rick, it's, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Rick's, of course, the um, Director of Research and Development for Pony Express. I'm super excited about this tool. Now, tell me, we talked about the dongle, the new version of this dongle. What, what is it specifically called, Rick? I'll defer to your expertise on that. Right. So the, these are the dongles that Pony Express has been selling for a long time. They're, they're super convenient. Uh, they're really great. The older ones were actually Bluetooth 2. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the, the sites actually still say that they're Bluetooth 2, but the newer ones are all Bluetooth 4. This is the Senna UD100, and the newer uh, 4.0 ones are UD100A, but they, they often don't actually show that on the website. Mm -hmm. But they're Bluetooth 4, low energy, high power. They've got this sweet little antenna on them. You can connect it regular RPSMA style, and so you can put whatever you want on there if you need a giant cantenna or just a big antenna, whatever makes you feel better about yourself. And so with Blue Hydra, I mean, I love my Pwn pad. You should definitely go buy one. Pwn Express is a sponsor, all that fun stuff. But with your open source software, anyone's going to be able to get Blue Hydra, one of these dongles, and essentially do exactly what we're going to talk about today. Right, exactly. And the, the best part of it is on the Pwn pad or off the Pwn pad, when you pair the, the Bluetooth dongle with the Ubertooth, you really see just a, a shocking amount of stuff out there. It's really terrifying. I, I've got an alert for every time my mother-in-law gets here. Yeah, uh, She's wearing a Fitbit <laughs> and it alerts me as she pulls into the driveway. Uh, I know when my, my wife turns the television on and off because there's Bluetooth on the television. It's it's terrifying, honestly. Yeah, can I, I ask, can I ask ahead, a Josh. really geeky, nerdy question? Uh, because it vexed me in the past, um, and I think I solved it. Um, so here we go. Buckle in. And probably only Rick's going to know the answer to this. <laughs> um, Bluetooth Classic, uh, upper address portion, uh, when the, device, the devices within their Pico nets are not in discoverable mode, are you brute forcing, or how are you, how are you doing the discovery? Right, so there's a couple of things that were found out by the Ubertooth team, uh, specifically Mike Osman and, and Dominic Spill back in the day, honestly, before there was even an Ubertooth. They figured out how to take the packets and then go in reverse checking the header values. And they were able to figure out, okay, if the header was this, then it would have been whitened to this, and then it would have changed to this. And they basically run the, the whole thing in reverse, and then they check to see if they're right. So, so, it, so you're, not, not you're not trying to brute... So you're not trying to brute force the upper address octet. You're just nope. lying on Osmus stuff. Okay. Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, I I've got an algorithm I worked on a long time ago that that, that did a brute forced approach with like sixteen or well multiple adapters because it's a non yeah. problem. Um, but okay, yeah. cool. Uh, I'll I'll let it. Uh, that's my geek question for the night. <laughs> One of my favorites along those lines was back when you know Red Fang and those kinds of Bluetooth brute force discoveries were really a thing. Uh, I was at a convention and somebody had a pair of Blues jeans where they just had like sixteen or some odd adapters uh, sewn into their pants 
that were brute forcing the whole Bluetooth address space looking for devices. And it's like, that is one way to not have to worry about a certain personal problem, but uh, not my personal choice. But. Yeah, you're, you're sending a lot of stuff out when you do that. And yeah. um, the way I saw, I was doing name queries when I was doing it, but, but you still gotta, you've still got 255 possibilities and then you've got, a, you've got a delay in the packet transmission and so you've got to parallelize that. And it's, it's, a, it's really a, a bit of a painful problem. But um, if they, uh, I haven't kept up with the later stuff that Osmond did, uh, with Bluetooth and Ubertooth one, but apparently it's up up to me to go look it up. So that's yeah. Really cool. So Rick, the discovery is is really awesome. Uh, for example, when it discovered a, a Samsung TV, um, it said that it had a microphone on it. Is that is that really true? It, so we're going with whatever the device says. So if it says that it has a microphone on it, we tell you it told us that it had a microphone on it. Uh, we don't really explore that at the moment like i said we're giving you what we can without being invasive mm -hmm. but if it tells you it's got a microphone on it odds are pretty strong it does and i know so that, a lot of samsung smart tvs uh, do so that that is uh like service discovery protocol straight up sdp yeah query yeah, it's it's straight service discovery it's a it's an info scan from blues basically uh, along yep. with a name request uh, your your basic info gathering nothing too deep right now yeah. So I mean, sorry, sorry for geeking out, Paul. Well, that's okay. No, that's great. I, I think you know, conceivably, the risk for me is many organizations have these devices, they don't know it, and not only that, they don't know the device even exists. They don't know that it's running these protocols, but they don't understand the potential. Like, if it has a microphone, could it be used for a listening device? Was my first thought. Absolutely, and that's that's one of the things that I mean. That was maybe a year ago where Samsung came out with a new terms of service that included things like, we suggest we you don't speak about private things in front of your television because we're recording everything you say and sending it up to our servers for analysis. And that's special. We'll go with special. It is special. That's interesting. So this is a great way for organizations to uh, understand the risk of all these devices inside their network. Um, I found the TV, a Roku player that I have here in the studio. It's interesting on the Segway, um, I discovered it was Bluetooth Low Energy. Um, it identified it as a Sony Ericsson mobile phone, which was weird. And I'm assuming that's coming. That's from, very weird. That's coming from the device. You're not making that up, right? Right. No, basically, nothing is inferred in, in the Blue mm -hmm. Blue Hydra output. It, it's all gathered from what we see. So it's also possible that it it's got some kind of a weird bug. I've actually seen some devices that have issues where they'll. They'll basically respond with whatever last talked to them. So there could have been like a Sony Ericsson programmer talking to it, and now it's just parroting out information, and it's just initialized improperly or something silly like that. But we're, we're using real values that the devices send back, not, not inferred. Gotcha. You know, that's, that's an interesting uh, point. I've seen um, in, in some of my research the same problem where, where adapters would pick up what was in the airspace and – advertise out like just false information uh there's really really weird buggy software in the bluetooth world yeah and yeah. you know for the the segue it's kind of uh interesting security implications as someone could potentially now i i don't pretend to understand all of the ways in which you fuzz and inject traffic into bluetooth low energy maybe rick can help us out with that i defer to larry also on that as well as not here this week um, but it, that's used to lock the device, and I'm not quite sure exactly how that works, what, what the, the key values are 
that let me lock and unlock the device, but it seems to be uh, an emerging trend that low energy is used for some kind of security purpose for these devices. Right, a, a lot of them are really terrible. Uh, older versions of Android especially were basically MAC address and that was it. Yep. And, and they would they would lock and unlock and do things like that. Uh, newer things, especially the low energy stuff, typically has some kind of a, uh, an identified service, a UUID that it spits out and then you pull that UUID and it gives you back some special magic number and it uses those kinds of things to talk. And some of them are actually pretty secure and a lot of them are absolutely not secure. There's some really great Bluetooth man in the middle proxy tools and things like that to, to monkey around with that. This is just to show you that there's a problem in your airspace, tell you who's involved, and, and then you take out the, the other fun tools. I gotcha. So now you said you were getting ready to release a new uh, version of this? Yeah, I'm actually super excited about that. We spent uh, a long time developing this tool, and uh, after we spent a bunch of time developing it, we... we Oh, we, we turned around to the. Oh, we, uh, we lost you there for a second, Rick. Sorry. Oh, he's having a Bluetooth headset problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You got me now? I yeah, I got you now. All right, cool. Yeah, Granolox and I, who developed it, spent maybe six, eight months working on this. And then we turned around to our boss and said, you know, it would be really cool if we could open source it. And he's like, sure, try to make it suck less. Yeah. And then you're allowed to open source it. So we <laughs> spent, uh, we spent a, a couple of weeks working on that. Uh, putting some stuff together to make it work outside of our sensor environment, outside of, you know, the hardware we control, uh, you know, write up readmes, document the code, you know, yeah. little things like that. And uh, we're actually open sourcing it. Uh, I was going to say Wednesday next week, but, you know, I'll just go ahead and hit the button while I'm on the show so that your, your folks can have it. Yeah. And where, where can they find uh, the open source version of this, Rick? Uh, in about 10 seconds, you can find it on GitHub under Pony Express for Blue Hydra. Nice. That's awesome. Rick's going to click the buttons, make it fully open source. Now, you said there was a, a newer version. I did not get a chance to update. Um, but uh, what, are there some improvements in it from the version that I was playing around with uh, this week? Yeah, I'm not sure how well uh, screen sharing with Skype is, but if you want to give it a quick shot, I can... Yeah, let's try. I, I, I have also a follow-on question to add to that, and that is, uh, if you're using Ubertooth One, uh, is there a required firmware update that you have to apply to Ubertooth? You need to use the latest firmware. Uh, it's definitely a very big difference in support if you don't have the latest firmware. It's uh, all, all in all, it, it's got a lot of bugs in the older versions that are gone in the new versions. So I, I warmly recommend actually updating yeah but it's time that i did it then <laughs> excellent yeah Good so Rick, you're, you're gonna share your screen i'm trying to but it's uh it's not letting you it's got a tiny little window trying to let me share let me uh this is one of those moments where we go how does this technology thing work yeah seriously i, I didn't even know <laughs> skype was a technology until uh had to be on this show well, and in, in Rick's defense, I, I called Rick like a few hours ago, and I was like, hey, can you come on the show and talk about this? <laughs> Does that work at all? Yeah, just make it bigger. Oh, there you go. Make it big. Make it bigger. Make it bigger. That's what make she it said bigger. a lot. Make it bigger. Click expando fonto. Can't get too huge. Won't be able to see anything, but that should be a little better. And that's also what she said. 
All right, cool. So we've added in a couple of features that you can see here uh, for sorting and changing column sets and things like that. Nice. So this latest version actually includes cool things like demo mode, where it blanks out part of the MAC address. Mm -hmm. uh, you've also got a range column, which can be sorted on just by changing the sort value. And we can sort by how far away a specific device is from us if it's conforming to the iBeacon standard. So after we started, you know, fingerprinting everything in the airspace, we started looking at what was really common and adding in custom feature sets for it. So iBeacon actually gives you a calibrated TX power, which is this is the signal strength I expect you to see if you're one meter away from me. And then you can use that to turn around and extrapolate just how far away from that device you are. So you can see that most of this stuff is actually sitting on a shelf behind me, uh, just about four feet away, which is pretty, pretty neat. That's awesome. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. 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 So we've done a lot of work to this, trying to make it just more usable, friendly, quick. And it's, it's definitely uh, a passion and a labor of love, but it's, it's been pretty awesome. Rick, what's... Uh the most interesting device that you've discovered? Uh, I'm assuming, uh, knowing you, Rick, that you've taken this and uh, walked around town into different locations. <laughs> hey, hey, Paul, before, before he answers that, you yeah. know Bluetooth is in the bedroom. That's right. It is. <laughs> no, you are correct. Uh, we actually have challenges around devices like that almost every year at the Wireless Village. I uh, won't go into too much detail, but uh, if you've ever seen a talk from RenderMan, he normally drops by with a couple of his pieces of test equipment, and yeah. we hack them in the wireless village at DEF CON, which is a lot of fun. The most interesting device I've seen actually came out of uh, a customer encounter. They were getting thousands and thousands and thousands of unique MAC addresses, and I had never seen anything like that before. Uh, it was really weird. It was about one new MAC address every second forever. And uh, it was originally really badly messing up the uh, the sniffer. So we bought a couple of the devices and had a lot of fun. So this is actually a gimbal iBeacon. It's, uh, it's a proprietary sort of semi-iBeacon, semi-not-iBeacon device from what used to be Atheros Research Labs mm -hmm. and is now called Gimbal. And they... Uh, they randomized the MAC address on this thing so viciously that I'm actually using it for one of the challenges at the Wireless Village. Wow. And <laughs> so what's the, uh, what's the original purpose of the device? The original purpose is iBeacon is a protocol. Oh, you cut out again. Advertisement there. broadcast. And so you set up a, an app, a loyalty app or something like that, and it sets up a listener on your phone, whether it's a, an Android or an iPhone, they, they all support it these days. It was originally an Apple idea, but they all, they all support it now. So you set up a listener and you say, I'm looking for this proximity UUID, which is the unique identifier for an iBeacon class. And then when it detects that on the Bluetooth stack, it passes it to the app along with the major and the minor, which are the region and the specific beacon that you're seeing. And then it sends that up to some server or some lookup table and says, oh, that means you get 50 cents off on a fry order oh, or whatever it is. I see. So they're, they're made for advertising and loyalty programs mm -hmm. and things like that. And uh, I've actually seen them used in some pretty sneaky ways that I'm, I'm not really able to talk about. But mm -hmm. sneaky, sneaky. Imagine if you were to have an app on people's phones and then you started hiding these all over town so you could track your customers because that's what their apps do. Right. right. Uh, yeah, I love apps. Interesting. <laughs> 
Well, Rick, uh, thank you very much for, for coming on the show. Uh, I'm super excited about this tool. I really, really like uh, the way it's able to scan all the different Bluetooth uh, spectrums, including low energy and, and support multiple devices. I think it's a very useful tool for us pen testers and my segue just fell over. And for um, for enterprises as well. So, Rick, thank you very much. You can find the code on the Pony Express's GitHub website, Blue Hydra. Go check it out. Oh, and also extra thank you from me too, Rick. Um, I, I love people doing work in the Bluetooth space. It's great, really great to see that. Uh, so, thanks. My pleasure. Let's <laughs> see.